Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome, everyone, who has joined Calvary Live. So glad that you are with us today. And my name is Jeff Figgs of Calvary Chapel Greeley with you on this Monday. We are ending another month. It's the 29th of August. We're going to be heading into September this week. And so I'm glad you join us, and I'm glad that you're able to be tuned into this uh, program called Calvary Live, where you get to call in and ask questions and to be able to give your prayer requests. So we invite you to do that. You just heard the call-in number, 303-690-3000, and that is the number to call if you desire to ask a question and uh, give a prayer request, and, and we'll have our conversation. And this really, Calvary Live, this program, is such a blessing to everyone uh, as you call in and ask the question, maybe perhaps it's a question that other people have been thinking about, or perhaps uh, as we uh, pray together, it's just encouraging th- for the brethren to come together as this radio program allows us to do that. So 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. we got all open lines right now. Grab one of those open lines and uh, have a about the Lord. Let's go to the Word of the Lord and uh, let's go to the throne of grace, and as Hebrews declares, in time of need. And so call with your prayer requests. There's another way for you to be a part of the program and ask your questions and give your prayer requests, and that's through a dedicated text line, and that is 720-336-0897. I'll repeat those numbers throughout the program, but I would encourage you to just have those in your contact. You can pull it up, and uh, you can call us at 303-690-3000 or Texas at 720-336-0897. And let's um, just talk about the things of the Lord Jesus Christ. I do want to welcome everyone who's listening live today on this Monday, uh, on the 29th of August, that you're listening live here in Colorado along the Front Range and up in the southern Wyoming on Grace FM. And then also those who are listening live on Radio by Grace, many stations throughout the country. And then uh, those of you listening online, give me a call. Love to talk with you. We even have some online listeners as well. But anywhere in the United States, uh, if you can call at 303-690-3000, you'll get a hold of us and uh, get one of those open lines. And then also we want to welcome those who are on Hope FM, Truth FM, and Higher Rock Radio. You are a week delayed. That simply means that you can call and we will have a conversation and and you'll be able to talk to me live uh, here um, in studio, but then uh, your radio network will uh, will play it a week later. So love to hear from you. We've got all open lines. Give me a call. This is your show. This is your opportunity for you to be able to ask questions and give your prayer requests. I know that, that some of you listening out there, you need prayer or you desire to uh, pray for somebody that's on your heart or 
Um, maybe perhaps uh, there's something that weighs heavy on your heart and you really just want some, um, some, you know, just some clarity and understanding from the scriptures. Uh, and we are certainly here to minister to you. So we got two open lines. Again, grab it on the, one of those open lines. Grab it early because sometimes as we progress through this show, that those lines fill up quickly, and we just want to get to as many people as we can. Let's go to uh, Mark in Moreno Valley, California. Hi, Mark. Hi. Hey, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good, good, good. Hey, kind of a maybe, maybe off the wall kind of a question, but uh, what is the purpose of the millennial reign? I get the rapture, and I even get the, the day of judgment, but why, why right. a thousand years in between? Yeah, and that's a, that's a good question, and I don't know if I have a really good answer for it, uh, because you you know you could go as far as why doesn't the Lord just come back and judge, and then let's do the new heaven, new earth, and the new Jerusalem, uh, you know, let's do that. And uh, but there's a thousand year reign of Christ, and uh, we know that uh, it, it's the literal thousand years where Christ is going to rule and reign from Jerusalem. We see all the the promises in the scriptures and the, and the many many verses sometimes hold chapters in the Old Testament that speak of it. The purpose of it, uh, I'm not quite sure. To maybe perhaps you know before the fall, uh, when Adam and Eve were there, and it was you know um, it was a world that was tainted with sin, to come back to you know what originally what God wanted for the earth. Uh, we do know that in the millennium reign that. It will not be absent from total sin. There is going to be rebellion at the end of the millennium reign, but I don't have a real good answer, Mark. That's a good question. I don't think it's off the wall, uh, but it's something that uh, I haven't really considered for a long time, uh, except to know that it's going to be glorious and um, it's going to be wonderful. So, wish I had a better answer for you. What's that? Any book references that you might refer people to on the millennial reign? Well, you know, there's good books like Mark Hitchcock has got some books on the end. Um, there's there's not any book that I can think of that talks specifically uh, about the millennium reign except in the timeline. Um, but they may be out there. Mark Hitchcock is, um, you know, his writings, you know, a good end time prophecy teacher. Uh, that I've read, um, and, um, you know, just some um, biblical teachings on it, but um, I don't know. You know, as I think about it, now I'm going to be thinking about it as uh, I, uh, you know, consider what it is that you're asking. So, um, you know, there there is good references out there, um, but I don't know the purpose, really, of the millennial reign, except that Christ is going to come for a thousand years and rule and reign. Okay, I appreciate that. Good, Thank you. Good, good question, Mark. So um, you just set me to do a little bit of homework on that. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> All right, thanks for calling. Love to hear from you guys in California. All right, bless you. You bet. Bye bye. That's a good question. I, you know, what's the purpose of it? I, you know, that Christ is the one that's going to rule and reign. Uh, over all the earth, and you know the kingdom's going to be established for him. You know, here's something, and Mark, even as you're, uh, if you're still listening, that you know in the book of Revelation we see that um, the Lord came to redeem the world, and in that parable, you know, he came 
uh, to buy the field, to redeem the world. And in the book of Revelation, as you read uh, chapter 4 and 5, he takes the title deed of the earth. So that which fell to Satan is going to go back to the Lord. So perhaps that is the reason that you know it's going to go back to God's kingdom and and the intention of God's going to rule over the earth in righteousness and holiness. Uh, his glory is going to cover the earth as waters cover the sea. So he's going to take back the title deed of the earth, and maybe that's the key to the purpose of the millennium reign of Jesus Christ. So good question. Um, give me a call. we got uh, a couple open lines, 303-690-3000. And, you know, I, I love these questions. We do our best to answer them, and sometimes, uh, you know, we have to think about it or we have to c- get more information or uh, even sometimes we have to say we don't know for sure. But that was a good question, and I appreciate it. Um, call with your questions, and we'll do our best to answer it. Uh, 303-690-3000, as we have a couple open uh, lines, and then the text line, 720-336-0897. Let's go to Betty in Baltimore. Hi, Betty. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for calling Calvary Live. Um, I just have a question about um, people with with learning disabilities, and when they um, when they try to read the Bible and they can't because they can't um, interpret it very well, or they forget what they have read, or um, they can't sound out the words because of a learning disability. Um, mm-hmm. How does that affect? like their salvation and that kind of thing? Well, it's a good question, Betty, and we're not saved because we have all our theology, you know, that's in line or understand everything. I think that um, there are those who can understand the gospel with, um, you know, learning disabilities, and, and I've seen it. They love the Lord. Uh, they They understand the gospel. The gospel is simple enough for a child to receive, and so there's that point when somebody who has maybe very severe, um, you know, uh, mental disabilities, we know that the Lord is just. Uh, he's very compassionate. He's merciful. He's the perfect judge. Uh, he's perfectly just. And we can entrust, you know, um, those things to the Lord. We can still speak the gospel into their minds, and we can just let the Lord, um, you know, take it and. Uh, be able to work it um, somehow into their hearts. But, you know, those things that um, I don't have a firm answer to, but I do know that the Lord is perfectly just, and he's very compassionate. And um, there are those with I have seen with perhaps learning disabilities, they can understand the gospel. Um, even at an elderly age, uh, those who perhaps get a little bit of dementia or something like that, um, you have those kinds of situations. They can come to understand the gospel, and then you got to trust the Lord with it and um, and know that he is a, a good God. He's a just God, and um, and leave it in, you know, his love and in his hands in those situations. Let me see. Yeah, that's what, that's what I was figuring, too. All right. But, um, can I you have- know, the— the thing to remember is it isn't how much we know, it's who mm-hmm. we know, and uh, that brings salvation. And 
Um, yes. So, you know, we can speak that into somebody's life and distrust the Lord's going to work it into their hearts. Right. No, okay. All righty. And you had another question? I do, yes. Um, I have a, um, a sister um, in Christ. She said that she she um, is a Christian and everything, but she is telling me that we will see the Antichrist um, rise before the rapture. I don't believe mm-hmm. that is true. Uh-huh. Well, um, I think that, so- yeah, there's different people that have different views of the rapture. That some believe that it will take place in the tribulation period, uh, after the tribulation period begins with the rise of the Antichrist. We know that from Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. We know that from Revelation chapter 6, verse 2. The rider on the white horse, the first seal that's opened up, and the tribulation period spoken of in Revelation chapter 6 through 19. We know that in that final week called Daniel's 70th week, uh, where the focus once again is on Daniel's people and, and your city, Daniel, uh, that uh, it begins with the one uh, who comes from the prince who is to come, that is out of that revived Roman Empire, that, that he makes a covenant with Israel for a week. There are those who believe that the, the rapture will take place. Some believe in the middle of the tribulation period, some at the end of the tribulation period. I personally believe that the church is going to be raptured before the tribulation period, before the rise of the Antichrist. I do not believe that, personally, that we are going to see the Antichrist. Um, Nowhere in the Scripture does it say that we're to be looking for the Antichrist. Uh, We're to be looking for Jesus Christ. But there's uh, a verse in uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 um, that I think um, is is very intriguing. Paul is writing about the Antichrist. He's writing about the the rapture of the church, the day of the Lord, uh, the time the Antichrist uh, reveals himself uh, in the temple of God to be worshipped as God, um, showing himself that he is God. That will take place in the middle of the tribulation period. But he says this, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And I believe that's a reference of the church, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in the church, that we are a restraining factor, Betty. And when we are taken out of the way, then lawlessness is just going to fill the earth. Can you imagine this world without any Christians? Um, And we do know that there will be the tribulation saints. There will be those who will come to Christ uh, during the tribulation period. The Holy Spirit's still working but we're a restraining factor, and I believe we're being told here in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 that we are going to be restraining to the point of to where the Antichrist can't come on the scene. And then when we are taken out of the way, then he's going to be able to rise to power, and he's going to come on the scene because he's under the direct influence of Satan himself. And, uh, and so we're a restraining factor. So personally— because of the doctrine of imminent return that I see in the New Testament, Jesus says, I come when you're least expected. Um, that doesn't fit with the mid-tribulation. That doesn't fit with the post-tribulation um, at all. Uh, it is very detailed to us what's going to take place in that seven-year period. But Jesus is telling us, and, and uh, the writers of the New Testament, uh, that we're to be looking for the return of the Lord. 
Jesus said, I come at a time that you do not know, that you least expect. So I believe that he can come at any time and that we are indeed a restraining factor from the Antichrist coming. Right. Okay. All right. You know, Betty, okay, one of the things that, Betty, we're going through the book of Daniel on Sunday mornings. So we talk a whole lot about the Antichrist and the rise of the Antichrist. So you might want to go to our website, Calvary Chapel Greeley, that's G-R-E-E-L-E-Y dot org. And um, we, you know, those Bible studies uh, of chapter 7, chapter 8, uh, chapter 9, uh, really go into detail about uh, who the Antichrist is, when he's going to come, and the role of Israel and the role of the church. So I think you'll gain some um, some good understanding in those studies. Okay, I will do that. Okay. Thanks, uh, Betty. Thanks for calling. Okay. Thank you. You bet. God bless you. 303-690-3000 is the call-in number, text line 720-336-0897. I want to remind you that that text line is a 24-7 prayer line uh, that you can text in a prayer request anytime during the show if we have time. Uh, if we get a little break from the calls, uh, we will go to the text line. Uh, but if you got a prayer request anytime, you can text in a prayer request, and uh, the uh, pastoral staff, the prayer team, at Calvary Church in Aurora, where Grace FM originates, uh, that they uh, will be praying for you. And I think it's a great, great resource. Uh, 303-690-3000 as we have an open line. Let's go to Allison in Tom River, New Jersey. Allison. Hi. 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 How are you? You're on, I'm fine. You're on Calvary Live. Okay. Um, I've never called into station. Um so I have a couple questions. Um, first, my mother passed away five years ago, and since then I've been trying to come to peace with her passing. When she passed away, um, kind of a double question, She, I ran into the room, she looked up, opened her eyes, and um, pointed her finger at me, but I know it wasn't at me. Like she had seen something, mm-hmm. but wide open. I don't know if it was just a reflex. And then she she passed away slowly after that. My mother wasn't a Christian. Um, I am a Christian in my in my my body, my soul, my soul. I I am a Christian. Okay. I'm mm-hmm. trying to live like a Christian. I feel like I get pulled back a lot by family members, um, except for my brother who has been trying to keep me, you know, keep it going with us, with, with the Word, and um, in which whom has um, left the family since my mother passed away. He just left and couldn't speak to anyone anymore. There was a lot of turmoil amongst five children not doesn't have to do with anything with money i think just a lot of circumstances um a lot of unresolved issues um and i've been carrying and i I was my mother's caretaker before she passed away for Mm. about nine months i moved in with her took care of her i was able to do it but at the same time, I grew very angry towards my sister, towards 
uh, my people around me uh, to the point where when I went home, I had to be alone. I couldn't talk. I, I, I wanted to just be alone. And I'm going right. through these waves of emotions and life and what's right and what's wrong. And, 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 and how do I stay on the straight and narrow? I know what the straight yeah. and narrow is, but it's like, and I, I, I find myself going off of it. And there's something that doesn't feel right to me when I'm off of it. And I almost feel like I have to be drastic and just not talk to certain people. And I don't right. want to be that person. And I'm actually on my no. way to my sisters right now as we speak um, with my boyfriend following uh, in tow uh, hmm. to apologize for angry words that were spoken. Yeah. Um, well, um, you know, Allison, yeah. you know, you've you've said a lot of things that have gone on, you know, with family. We all have family stuff. This, you know, what we call it. And, you know, being your mother's caretaker for a number of months, that is a difficult task. Um, I, I having, uh, having to be a part of taking care of elderly parents myself, it is very hard. And it's very hard when it's put on one, um, you know, one of the children, um, the siblings. And uh, what can happen is in the difficulties, and we can't fully understand uh, all the, 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 how hard it was, how difficult it was, um, that time that you spent taking care of your mom, being the caretaker. And, but I want you to know this, and, and hopefully this brings comfort to you, that in the eyes of God, that was a, a wonderful thing and, and a very uh, loving thing that you did. And, and God was pleased with that. And sometimes others may not show their appreciation or think that, you know, it's no big deal um, or whatever the case may be. But I want you to know how God feels. And God has a heart for the elderly. He has a heart for the sick. He has a heart for the orphan, for the widow, for the poor. And as he saw you bringing a cup of water to your mom, as you were taking care of her, it, it was pleasing to him. So I want you to know that. I want you to know that um, that you know as we do the things that <clears throat> that we're called to do that is pleasing in God's sight, it's not in vain and it wasn't in vain. But what can happen is is that we can become bitter because of of you know family turmoil. Um, relationships begin to be strained, begin to be even severed. And one of the things that, you know, that really um, blessed me is when you said, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that person that is harsh or angry um, and is bitter. And the Bible warns against becoming bitter. The writer of Hebrews says, don't let that root of bitterness take over because it could be like a cancer. It begins to get a hold of your heart, and it just begins to spread. The anger, it turns to wrath. And that's why Paul the Apostle, when he writes you know, in uh, the book of Colossians, he writes in Ephesians that you are to put off those things, put off anger, put off wrath. But what you're doing in this step that you're about ready to, to take and going to your sister and to apologize and try to restore the relationship I'm going to pray for you that God will bless that, and that God wants to, and it will go a long ways in helping you get rid of that bitterness because we don't want to have it. You don't want to be that person. Um, and to be able to 
um, to have a desire for those relationships with your siblings, with your family, despite all the family stuff that goes on, and um, to be able to come to the point where there is um, some restoration, there's forgiveness, there's healing, and God wants to do that work. So you're moving in the right direction. You're moving in the right direction in calling. You're moving in the right direction knowing that, hey, I'm a Christian, and I don't want to be that way, and I want to, I want to move on with the Lord. That's, that's what you're saying when you say you want to keep this straight and narrow. You want to move forward in the things of the Lord and allow him to bring you the comfort that you need, to bring you the, the um, strength that you need, um, to fill you with his love, um, to be able to forgive, to be able to do those things that God wants to, to work in your life and the work of your family. And that's what I want to pray for. So I think you're moving in the right direction in that. And you keep your eyes on the Lord. You keep your eyes on the Lord. And you ask the Lord, Lord, help me. Help me to love my siblings. Help me to, Lord, um, be able to say these things um, as we desire restoration and forgiveness and to come together as a family. And to know that God's going to honor that. Um, And Allison, he desires to do that work. And to give you the strength to, to... um, you know, just move forward in the things that are difficult and hard, and it's not easy. And um, mm-hmm. dealing with mm-hmm. family stuff that's taken place mm-hmm. over the years is not easy. So I, I do want to pray for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. This I hope that helps, but I want you to know this, that you being the caretaker to your mom, and I, I, and I have a heart for this because I got a mom who's 89, and and we've been doing our best to take care of her, and it is extremely hard and difficult. And I just want to express it to all who are listening that that honors God as you did your best in taking care of her, and it wasn't in vain. But the Lord looked at it, and he was pleased. And um, And I know, you know, maybe there was a lot of stuff that went with it or whatever, but to put that aside and and to know that God looked at it And he looked at it in a way that was pleasing in his sight. Father, I pray for Allison. I just pray that as she has gone through a difficult season and her mom and and dealing with um, just the anger and the past and um, the turmoil in in her family, that there be healing and restoration, even as she is taking the first step to go and to be able to, uh, you know, just ask for forgiveness for harsh words that were spoken um, that, Lord, that there be coming together of her family. There be forgiveness. There be healing and restoring. But most of all, a looking to you. A looking to you, Lord. And I think about what your word has to say, uh, that we are to be ones that are forgiving and tenderhearted um, because we have been forgiven by you. And your love for us continues. And so, Lord, I just pray that you be with Allison and help her and guide her in every way, uh, as she speaks to her sister, that she would know that you're working. And I just pray for um, just strength. I pray for comfort, wisdom. And I just pray for you working. Show yourself strong on behalf of this family. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, Allison, can I read to you just a couple verses from Ephesians chapter 4? And I, I think this will be encouraging to you. It says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, 
but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. But let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And that's our prayer for you, that that gets worked out in your life. Put it away, Paul says. Put it away and put on love and tenderheartedness and forgiveness, and you'll see God working. Allison, thank you. We'll be praying for you. Uh, after a break, we'll go to, to Kip, and uh, and I believe we got a couple open lines. 303-690-3000. We'll be right back on the other side of the break. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back to the second half of Calvary Live. My name is Jeff Biggs of Calvary Chapel Greeley in Northern Colorado with you on this Monday. Is uh, This is the last few days of August and we head into September uh, this week and uh, summer, the traditional summer season is just about over. It went by so quickly. I pray that you had a blessed summer. We're going to be heading into the fall season, and uh, kids are back in school, uh, students back in, in the universities, and a lot that takes place as we head into the latter part of the year. And uh, And we just want to be here to bless you, to encourage you. So if you got any questions, you just heard those numbers, 303 690 3,000 is the call-in number and the text line 720-336-0897 that you can text a question or a prayer request. And so give me a call. We've got a couple open lines. Uh, we're going to continue with the phone lines. Let's go to Kip in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Hey, Kip. Hey, Pastor Figs. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Hey, I just wanted to say thank you uh, for your sermons that you do i listen to you on uh under the fig tree and uh just appreciate you guys and all the other pastors uh so much thank, thank you. you thank you so uh you had a call earlier in, in regards mm-hmm. to the millennium um i got saved about 30 years ago um felt a calling into the ministry went to uh um theology school um i'm I'm now a contractor, so so God had other plans. But the the millennium is something that's always really confused me, too. But what was really strange is right after that call, you had another call about uh, the handicapped or the mentally disabled. Um, I'm a father of a a beautiful daughter who is 18 years old. Uh, Developmentally, she's at about five or six um, she's non-cognitive, means that she doesn't talk. Um, and uh, at her uh, mental cap- capabilities, she really does not understand right and wrong. She does not understand uh, salvation, um, nor will she probably ever um, in her life expectancy. Um, <clears throat> so I've wondered... Um, a huge part of my life on just uh, how God does that when it comes to salvation. 
um, because I know there's many things that the Bible doesn't specifically talk about, but we still right. come to the conclusion, such as the Trinity, um, such as uh, the rapture, um, you know, things that in totality we understand that God doesn't put his wrath on his own people. So we understand that the rapture is, is part of his plan. So right. we also know that God doesn't force anybody to do anything, that uh, we all have our own free will, that we all get to decide what to do with our eternity. But my daughter doesn't really have that opportunity. So here's just something I was thinking and would love to have uh, another person um you know, another pastor look at it and tell me what they think. Um, mm -hmm. But there are millions of aborted babies every year that never had the chance to make a decision. Um, also, there is, uh, I can't imagine throughout history, uh, numerous other situations such as my daughter, either with mental illness or other situations where a decision to follow Christ was never uh, never viable. Um, mm. Is it possible that the millennium reign would be uh, a time that those that couldn't make a decision would then have the opportunity to make a decision? Because again, I, I just don't find anywhere in yeah. Scripture where God forces anyone to even even to go to heaven. He just doesn't force you to do anything. You have to choose him, choose yeah. to follow. And, and I, you know, you're, I appreciate your question, and, you know, and you're pondering this, and they, they are, you know, difficult issues that we don't fully understand. Um, and, you know, the possibility, there's nothing in short to say, there's nothing in Scripture that says that we get a second chance. Uh, the Bible says that it's appointed once for man to die, then the judgment. When it comes to, you know, the aborted child or the child that dies, that dies at, you know, when they're um, young before the age of accountability, uh, we do know that there's a scripture in Second um, Samuel where David, when he lost his son that was born, and when he sinned with Bathsheba, and uh, when that child died, David said uh, that <clears throat> the child won't come back to me, but I will go to him. Jesus said the children belong to me. So I believe that that those under the age of accountability go to heaven. Um, that um, they, uh, we see that in the scriptures. We see that indicated in the scripture. Uh, when it comes to somebody with, uh, you know, um, it, as you're saying with your daughter or it may not have the mental capability to understand the salvation is, um, and the salvation message or whatever the case may be. Um, I, I have to leave it with the Lord that God is a just God. And again, with, with knowledge comes responsibility. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like the person, perhaps somebody can call and say, well, what about the person who's never heard of Jesus? What about the person who, um, you know, um, you know, the tribes in, in Congo and Africa that never heard of Jesus Christ, what happens with them? I, I, I know that God is a just God, and I know that he's 
perfectly righteous, and I got to leave it to there. And but there's nothing in the scriptures to me that indicates that there's a second chance or you get to come back. It's appointed once for man to die, and then the judgment is what the scripture says. And I got to leave it there, and I got to leave it there in the care of um, a, a holy God, a righteous God. Um, and even in these difficult situations, and you know, one of the things, Kip, that um, that I say over and over again when when I am looking at those things that I don't understand, and there are things that we don't understand, and you're touching on those, that I can fall back into things that that we do understand, and that's what I got to fall back on. And so the indication is that those you know babies. Uh, those below the age of accountability. Now the debate comes, what is the age of accountability? I, I don't know. I don't have all the answers to that, that they, they go to heaven. And that's what David indicated um, when he answered about his um, you know, son that was born and died. Um, and that brings great comfort. Jesus said the children belong to me and um, and to receive a child. And so that's where I'm going to leave it. That's where I've got to leave it, that he's perfectly just. And um, and I know this, that he loves your daughter, um, and he loves her very much. And, oh, um, yeah. and, I, you, and I think you know that. And, um, and I think you can rest in his love, uh, what he has for her and what he's doing in her life. Yeah, again, it was just a thought, um, because I don't understand why, if there is just once to live and, and, and then the judgment, why God would spend a thousand years on earth. Um, it just, uh, I just Mm -hmm. couldn't wrap my head around what that time was for. And then as I was praying and, and contemplating and studying about my daughter, I just thought maybe that would be a time where, where she wouldn't have, uh, any, any informities and um and she would have the chance to to choose um because like i said i just couldn't figure out why if it says that you know wants to live wants to die and then the judgment why there would be a thousand years in the middle it just uh just something i thought about just something like i said i wanted yeah. to you know and i think sound- you have to yeah and you know you're, you're thinking of those things and um, I think those are really two separate um, items because, you know, you think of all the people before, you know, that have passed away as a baby or uh, aborted child or whatever. Um, they're going to be in their glorified states. And so the millennium reign, uh, the Lord's going to come back and um, reign from, you know, this earth for a thousand years the first question I got is, what is the purpose of that? Um, to take the title deed of the earth back and uh, and uh, for him to bring, usher in the kingdom. Um, I, I just, you know, those things, you start getting into things I don't fully understand. Uh, but I know what the Bible declares, and I look forward to that time. But I really appreciate your question and your, your thoughts, Kip, and, and for calling. Well, thanks, Pastor Fake. I, like I said, I sure appreciate all you guys. Yeah, thank you very much. God bless you. 303-690-3000, the call-in number, text line 
1-800-848-9797. Let's see. Let's go to see where I'm at. Let's go to Rhonda in Phoenix City, Alabama. Rhonda? Yes. yes. Hi. And, and I want to tell you, I love, love, love your show. I look forward to it every day. Thank you. Um, so my question, so my question was, um, and it's probably mostly big chain stores um, that are supporting thing supporting things that are against God's will. Um, you know, isn't that a, a sign of suppression toward Christians? Meaning, maybe us Christians shouldn't shop at certain places or spend money at certain places. Um, you know, because we. You know, cause I don't want to be all religious, but I don't. But I no. want to be in the will of God. Um, so that's been heavy on my heart for some days now. Is it a sign right. of suppression? Meaning, okay, we can't go and maybe save some money at this particular place um, yeah. because they support so and so, and so um, I'll have to go to this other place, which costs a little bit more money. But as far as I know, you know, they're not supporting that sort of thing. Yeah, and, you know, that's a conviction that everybody, you know, has to settle in their own hearts, um, you know, because we were in the world, but we're not of the world, right, Rhonda? So being in the world, we have to shop, we have to, you know, um, you know, get certain things, we have to do business, all that, and uh, buy clothes, and a lot of the retail is, you know, do they support abortion? Are they going to support um you know, other things that are unbiblical. And a lot of them do. If you really look at their philosophy, you know, do I buy clothes from this brand? Um, Because, you know, they're, you know, it's a conviction everybody has to have and has to answer for themselves and have a piece about. Uh, The grocery stores here, I haven't looked into it personally, but I wouldn't be surprised if the grocery store chains, if, you know, they make that stand and, and, um, you know, or, or stand for, it's not just uh, maybe for uh, abortion for their employees, but it may be, you know, homosexuality, those kinds of things that Christians wrestle with. And I think that's something to pray through is something that everybody has different convictions on. And as you said, not trying to be religious, but, you know, I've shopped at stores and speaking for myself and, and grocery stores that, that they have world philosophy and um and that's where I need to get my groceries that's where I need to go um if the lord changes my conviction on that here's the thing we have liberty in christ and uh we want to please the lord in what we do uh but there are some who if you can't support that business because of what they stand for then you shouldn't um but others don't have that conviction and so um, that's that's not a um, easy answer uh, for those who are listening. Uh, um, but you know, I know that I've used businesses. I've gotten clothes from those who have worldly philosophy and philosophy that we don't believe in, and uh, it's just hard. It's hard to maneuver around it sometimes, isn't it? It sure is. Well, I thank <laughs> you for that. So. so yeah, you know, it's just like you pray through it and, you know, and see what the Lord tells you. And, um, you know, I want to please the Lord with everything that I do, right? Right. Um, but, you know, sometimes that, um, 
Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes I don't know. Sometimes I don't know what their philosophy is or what their stance is and all that uh, on a daily basis. You know, I, I need to stop and get some bread for my family. <laughs> and I'm not always thinking about that. And so it's it's just something that I think every individual, every Christian really has to kind of wrestle through and think through and have their own convictions concerning that. Okay. It's, it's still kind of a confusing thing, though, like you say, you know, I guess to mm-hmm. each individual. But um, I do appreciate, you know, your opinion on it. Yeah, and, and it is. And, you know, because it's becoming more worldly and... Um, and it can be tough to maneuver. I mean, what about schools? Do you not send your kids to a public school? You know, what about parents that have to? You know, it goes on and it goes on and it goes on. Can you completely avoid it? I don't know if you can. Um, so that's where it becomes difficult and it becomes um, hard and it becomes um, a little tricky to maneuver through those things. And um, but I, I think the thing is, is we have a heart to desire to please the Lord and walk with the Lord in, in the things that we do. Uh, we may not do it perfectly, or I may not understand what this, this you know, store stands for or what this business uh, stands for. I mean, you can go into a business, a restaurant that's family-owned. Do you know about that family? Are they Christians? Do they believe those things? You know, you're supporting the business. You see how it starts to become a slippery slope after a while, and it starts to become confusing. Um, so, you know, it's just what the Lord lays on your heart and the convictions that you have as you move forward in those areas. Right. Well, actually, as I listened to you, it came to my mind that we can't live in the fear, and that would be a form of doing that, I guess. Yeah, you know the the thing is again we we want to stand for righteousness. That's that's yes. for sure. We want to speak righteousness and truth. We want to be light, but we're going to be light in the darkness, aren't we? And we can't hide from the world. Um, so you know we want to do things that are pleasing to the Lord, and I think the Lord honors that as we have that heart. Um, but you know, through everything we do, everything we buy, I mean, we order something from Amazon. Is that a sin? You, you know, uh, what do they stand for? And I know Christians that do that, that love the Lord. Um, and those are things that are hard to maneuver and, and people got different convictions and, um, we do have liberty in Christ. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. So th- those can be challenging days in which we're in. So. Absolutely. Well, I thank you for that. You bet, Rhonda. Thanks for calling. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000, the call-in number, challenging questions today. Text line 720-336-0897. Let's go to Dustin and DeCano. Dustin? Hello. Hi, Pastor Jeff. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. Um, enjoying the weather. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> yeah, I've, a little hot, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, August is kind of a, a bit deceptive, a bit, but yeah, <laughs> it's still summer. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I I uh, I just uh, doing a men's Bible study. 
I actually joined this group with one of the one of the men that went to Peru on one of your mission trips. I've been going to the same group about three years. Um, the uh, guy who started the group is he's in Peru now. That's uh, Andrew, but mm-hmm. and um, I was just wondering. Um, I guess right now I'm temporarily taking over a bit of the leadership of the group because the other guys are taking a break. They've been yeah. leading nonstop, but I had a question. I'm on, I'm on a kind of a, I'm on second Timothy chapter two mm-hmm. and about, um, about women pastors. <laughs> okay. Is that first Timothy and, two? Yes. There's first Timothy two twelve, mm-hmm. And that's the, uh, that and and First Timothy chapter three mm-hmm. are the uh, seem like they're the debated verses when it comes to this issue. Um, I was just w- wondering what your thoughts were because um, I was reading on on got questions that uh, that there was two two views. Uh, one of them was the. Uh, there was like two different views, economical view or something. Right. And and then the other one began with a C, like conservative view or something like that. But the first one believed that the, the women could be pastors but not elders or something. Mm-hmm. And I was yeah, yeah. I was just wondering, well, like, I mean, personally, I've gone to many churches that have had women pastors but not a women head pastor, you know. Right, right, and, and there's different... and that's where the that's where the big yeah. you know one of the debate topic is, and I'm yeah. just wondering how I can proceed in group because half, half the group seems kind of divided a little bit about the issue. So, well, it's a it's a big issue, you know. Can women be pastors? You know, they can be pastors, but what's you know not the conservative view or the ecumenical view? What's the biblical view? And that's what's important. And I think. And that's what you're asking about. You know, what what really does the Bible have to say? And as Paul is writing about, we do know that the Bible speaks about that he desires for the men to be um, leaders in the church. Uh, we see that even with 1 Corinthians 11 about headship and order. And we also know that um, as you look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, when it comes to the qualification of an overseer, it can be an overseer, a bishop, a shepherd um, and a, or uh, a pastor. Those are terms that are interchangeable. But someone who is in that position, um, in that title of a pastor, um, and um, I think that Paul makes it very clear that that is reserved for men. And it's hard to be the husband of one wife. Um, you know, that, that clears it up. So I think the Bible does tell us when it comes to the position of a pastor, an elder, an overseer. I mean, you can address it culturally. You can address it. Well, they can be pastors, but they can't be elders. Well, those terms are interchangeable. <clears throat> I think when it comes to the position of what I, you know, the pastor, uh, the elder, the shepherd, um, that God desires for the men to have that. Now, does that mean, as Paul says, that I don't permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man? But to be in silence, um, you know, some have taken that to say women should never teach in 
the church, um, and that's not what Paul is saying there. Um, he he's heading into uh, as once again he's talking about the role of men and women in the church. That the men do have the um, you know the leadership authority in the church, but we have women that teach. Matter of fact, tomorrow that we have a lady study, and ladies are going to be teaching that lady study, not the men teaching them. But we know that Titus says, as he also talks about the role of elders and for, um, you know, pastors and, and overseers, the husband of one wife, he says that the older women are to teach the younger women. So under the authority of the leadership of the, the men being pastors, we have women that teach. They teach the children's ministry. They teach other women. They counsel other women. Um, and that's very appropriate. I think it's very necessary. They have the gift of teaching. Um, but th- when it comes to that role, um, that they do it in- into where I-, I won't have a woman here at Calvary Chapel that is a pastor that's teaching over the pulpit Sunday morning. Um, that's my conviction of what the scripture has to say. Now, does that mean that um, that a woman can't share with the congregation? Um you know, we've we've had, for example, Sue and I have done uh, a marriage conference and where they ask questions. And Sue was able with me to be able to share with, you know, other couples and congregation. Um, but to be in that role of a pastor teacher, I think it's reserved for the Lord. But they do have a very important, you know, place in the body of Christ. And that's what I want us always to remember is that we have we have ladies that can teach and they're very good teachers they teach the bible doesn't say they can't teach in the universities they can't teach in the schools or a christian school or anything like that but when it comes to the church that's where we see that the overseers is to be um the male leadership that is given mm-hmm. yeah i mean um i pretty much um yeah I was I was just thinking that the the two roles that are because I t- I spoke with Pastor Ed about this similar question a couple years ago, but this was before I was kind of like leading the study, and um, there so I guess like in First Corinthians, you know how the male the male is the head of the household, you know like right, and and that's just because you know because it says wives submit to your husbands and all that, but not not submit as like you know like uh, in a in a negative context, but more like you submit to one another, you know? Well, Ephesians 5 says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. And then it goes on, talks about roles and responsibilities, husbands and wives, that, you know, wives submit to your own husband as as unto the Lord. And sometimes when they hear that word submission, you know, and, and the man is the head of, of the wife, First Corinthians 11, it says that Christ is the head of man, God is the head of Christ, uh, man is the head of woman, but that word submission doesn't mean that we as men, as leaders in a church or leaders in our home, we walked around all dictatorial. It means that we are servants. It means that we're to cherish and to love. And when we understand that proper role of that, that we're to love our wives as Christ loves the church, willing to lay down our lives for the, our wives. As a overseer, you know, um, as a leader in a church, it means you're to be the servant of all. So it's very important that we understand our role, and that is submitting to to the fear of God, uh, first of all, 
and then doing it in a way that's pleasing to the Lord, to, to be serving and cherishing and caring for people. And the, and submission, Christ, you know, God is the head of Christ. Let me ask you this. Was Christ inferior to to the Father? No, he wasn't. Uh, he's He's equal to the Father. And his, as Philippians 2 says, that he became obedient and became um, a man and uh, was obedient even to the death on the cross. His submission was in obedience and in humility. And that's, you know, um, something that, but he wasn't inferior. It doesn't mean that others who serve in the church and have roles in different positions are inferior to me at all. It doesn't mean that at all. It just talks about that I have a responsibility and a role that I am to fulfill as a pastor and a teacher, and I believe he wants the men to do that. Definitely. Yeah. Well, yeah, thank you. Um, I have, like, yeah, it's, a whole bunch more questions, but maybe I'll, <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to catch you in person. We'll be, we'll be here all week. So, you know, give us a call. But you're asking a question that, you know, is a big debate in, in the church and and, um, you know, I, I've heard women that have the, the position of a, a teacher, and they've taught very well. But I go with what the Scripture has to say, and that's my conviction And for our church here at Calvary Chapel. But they play a very important role, very, very blessed by the women who serve here. So, hey, God bless you. Thanks. Appreciate everybody that called. Tough questions today, good questions. Keep reading your Bible. Be back tomorrow at the same time at Calvary Live. God bless you, and everybody have a great evening. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.